Welcome back, everyone, to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian American and Pacific Islander conversations about topics including things you were too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm Hula Ramos, your host, and we have a very special guest today. Her name is Wendy Kim, and we're going to learn a lot about Wendy, but I just a brief bio about her. She's a number one international best-selling author of the book, Beyond Blending In, An Immigrant Daughter's Guide to Overcoming Cultural Bonds for a Life of Authenticity and Abundance. She's also a professional public speaker and an empowerment coach and hosts the Beyond Blending In podcast. Please welcome Wendy Kim. Hi, Wendy. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. I'm so excited to have you on the show because, uh, you know, I, I just love uh, the fact that we're going to talk. The topic we're going to talk about is something that's near and dear to my heart, and I know it's near and dear to your heart. But before we even go there, let's learn about Wendy Kim. Tell me a little bit about your life growing up and how you became Wendy Kim. So I'm half Korean, half German. My dad is German, and my mom is Korean, and they met... Uh, my father was in the military. They met in Seoul, Korea and got married mm-hmm. and then moved to Georgia, of all places. And so I was born in Savannah, Georgia, and they divorced when I was quite young. Okay. And I ended up living with actually with my dad for a bit and my um, grandmother in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah. And I definitely stood out like a sore thumb. Uh, I was always pretty much the only Asian kid in my class and in some cases in my school. Wow. And so definitely spent a lot of my childhood trying to to blend in, hence, hence the book. Ah, uh, makes sense. Yeah, and then when I was 11, I ended up moving to Hawaii to live with my mom and my stepdad. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I tend to, people say that I tend to look more Asian. So mm-hmm. I thought, cool, I'll, I'll be able to just be accepted and blend in in this Asian culture. And actually there, they said that I was too white so I've actually spent a lot of my life trying to assimilate trying to blend into to those around me and over time got to the point where I realized I just need to be myself right that's how how the book came about and and what I do in my business Okay, that's fascinating. I'm so intrigued by this because, you know, growing up Filipino, I always, you know, am I closer to more the Filipino got, you know, kids in my school or am I closer to just everybody? You know, I always felt a sense of I'm not too, I'm not Filipino enough to be with my Filipino friends. But I mean, you literally, your family members, you're, you're half Korean and half German. Like, I mean, for you, that's just I can't even imagine what you went through as a child. Yeah, I, especially when I lived in Pittsburgh, I didn't want to associate much with my Korean background. Mm -hmm. I, of course, I was familiar with kimchi, but I didn't want to eat kimchi because I, and I, 
I thought that if I rejected that part of me, that it would make me more, I guess, white and more uh-huh. accepted by the people around me. So I, I really made an effort to disassociate myself with the Korean culture until later on as I got older. And uh, even when I was in Hawaii, I actually kind of took on that identity of of not be not wanting to gravitate toward the Korean culture because... I it was like a way to compensate for the fact that I was didn't feel accepted in the Asian culture, if that right. makes sense. But as I got older, I I came to actually appreciate that that part of who I am, and and now I'm so grateful to to have that in my background and and to be Korean American. But it it was definitely a journey. Right. And it, it, what, when you say, you know, if finally accepting that side of you, like what, it, how old were you? When I accepted that part of me? Yeah. When you fully like came to the acceptance, like, no, I am half Korean. I am half German. This is me. Uh, I mean, I think it was a process. I don't think it was just like overnight, boom, I accept this part of me. I think probably... So I am going to reveal my age here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, I, I know. We appreciate that. <laughs> I'm 43. So I would say probably in my mid-20s to late-20s is when I, I started to actually, and, and even visiting Korea for the first time, is when I began to really embrace my, my Korean background. Uh, so, I mean, with that being said, you know, there, there's probably, you know, I'm hoping there are some younger viewers that are, you know, listening in and, and hearing their stories and maybe are going through the same struggle you went through. Do you have any, I mean, maybe words of advice or, or maybe, you know, something that can kind of, you know, talk to them specifically? Yeah, I think when you're biracial, the, they're, there is a bit of a challenge. Like I, I have a good friend and, and she's half white and half African-American for instance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's deals, she's dealt with the same thing growing up where she, with her, her black friends, she wasn't white enough, but with her white friends, they considered her black. So it, it was, it's this, it's a struggle in terms of your identity and, mm-hmm. and, I find that when when you're young, a lot of people gravitate toward one more than another, typically one that's going to, they think, give them certain maybe privileges or advantage. But right. really, it is, it it's about loving you for who you are. And I think when you are biracial, you actually are so blessed because mm-hmm. you, you understand something about each culture and Mm -hmm. you in a sense are a bridge between Mm -hmm. between the two cultures so you have a perspective and an insight that that a lot of people don't get to have which I think is really beautiful oh 100 percent I've always said this um because I you know for those that don't know my wife is Hispanic Mexican Mm, and I am Filipino and which obviously makes my kids biracial and they're Uh half Filipino half Mexican I call them lovingly I call them my little Mexipinos (laughs) and um I've always said this I've always said that mixed children are beautiful like like so beautiful 
it, it just, I don't know. I, I've, I've just always said that. And, and as a parent of a, a child of children that are biracial, I've always told my daughters about both cultures. Um, I've always made sure they understood both cultures. Um, we do speak Spanish to them. We do speak a little bit of Tagalog uh, to them as well. Um, okay. And we allow them to have, you know, the food of, you know, from the different cultures. But I, I want them to to know both sides and to be yeah. comfortable, you know, because they are still young. My, my kids are eight and six. And so they have yet to experience and granted they're hybrid learning right now. So there's not they're not physically in school quite yet. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, I know eventually when she gets into her teenage years, that's going to be a thing, I think, you know, the, are you going to be closer to the Filipinos or the Asians? Or are you going to be closer to the Hispanics? Like I, I and I just want my daughter to know ahead of time, you know, almost like prepping her, like it's going to happen. So let's just get it out there in the open and be prepared. Yeah, it's kind of cool that obviously uh, Kamala Harris is now mm-hmm. our vice president. And, and mm-hmm. of course, She's biracial, as we know, half um, Indian American and half African American. Mm-hmm. And so it, I think having prominent leaders who are biracial is, well, first of all, having prominent leaders who are diverse is amazing. Mm-hmm. But having prominent leaders who are biracial also hopefully will really and inspire kids who are biracial to see themselves as, like you said, special and unique and, and beautiful. Absolutely. I agree. No, it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, when you're a teenager, as we've all gone through it, you, you get into clicks and, you know, it's uh-huh. just, it's just, it's bound to happen. But, you know, as long as, like I said, as long as my kids are aware of their culture, they can make their own decisions. And, you know, obviously as a kid growing up, you have to make those decisions. And, you know, sometimes they're good decisions and sometimes they're bad decisions, but you have to go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Have, I mean, I know your kids are young, but do they understand that even the concept of being multicultural or biracial or is, are they too young to, to get that? Um, you know, well, my oldest, uh, she's eight and we constantly are, you know, informing her and letting her know and learn about her both cultures. And luckily for me, she is interested. She's the one that asked the Mm -hmm. question first. You know, I've always said, like I said, growing up when uh, she was getting older, I would be like, oh, she's my little Mexipino. And then she started hearing me that. And I remember vividly one day she said to me, Papa, what's, what's, what do you mean Mexipino? What does that mean? (laughs) And that's what I explained to her. It was like this made up word that I made or heard, you know, it's, you're both Mexican and Filipino. And so, um, so it's getting, you know, she's starting to understand and she's luckily, she's wanting to learn more about both cultures. Um, with my youngest one, she's six and she is, um, she's special needs. She she has an intellectual disability. So for her, she doesn't quite get the concept or or know much more about it, but my eight-year-old, she definitely, you know, is getting it. Well, I mean, like, but but, but you're, do you have kids? I do. And how old are they? I have a soon to be 13, a soon to be a teenager, 13 year old son and a 10 year old daughter. So they're at the tween slash teen age. So I think they're entering that world because I, I mean, they're biracial, right? They are, uh, what would mm-hmm. they be? Half Korean? 
three quart- quarters Korean and a quarter German. However, I, I, I was mentioning to you actually before we started the show, my husband is Korean American. However, his father was born and raised in Mexico in wow. the Yucatan. So culturally, uh, he does definitely identify uh, as Mexican and grew up in San Isidro, which, you know, wow. is practically, I mean, it's yes. not Mexico, but you know what I mean. It's exactly. So did your, ways. your husband grow up with the, like the, uh, like Hispanic culture? He did very much. Yeah. And he grew up exposed more to, even though his mom is, from Korea, he he was much more familiar with Spanish than than the Korean language. Wow! So he speaks Spanish. He does, yes. But I mean, we we do teach them about the Korean culture. We teach them about the Mexican culture uh, to some degree, about the German culture, and yeah, I think it's really important for them to yeah know know their background and and know their heritage and and take pride in it since that wasn't something that I really grow grew up with mm-hmm. we i've had I've had to actually google and youtube uh and ask other Korean people like Kathleen for instance about certain cultural foods and and about certain traditions because I didn't necessarily grow up with those. So I have right. had to learn those. And while I'm learning, teach my kids at the same time. No, oh, that's awesome. No, I love that. So do you feel like your kids are seeking that information or are they, are they, you know, do you think they will be, are they in that situation that you were in when you were younger, like trying to figure themselves out as far as their, their culture? Yeah, it's interesting because my son is more like how I was as a kid, where he mm-hmm. he just kind of wants to be like every other kid, and mm-hmm. um, he find and he doesn't have in in his in our particular neighborhood and in his school there are some Asians, but there there aren't a lot compared to to other neighborhoods. So I remember when he started middle school and previously he had never had an issue with this, but I, I got like sushi from the Japanese store, which on occasion, not, not very commonly, but on occasion I do that. <laughs> uh, they, they, they would probably, so he, he, I mean, my kids love sushi. Right. And right. So I sent it along with him to lunch and he said something like, oh, sushi's weird. And, and the kids were saying they didn't like sushi and, and don't, don't send any sushi along anymore, which did make me, make me sad because right. I, I kind of would have thought at, at this stage that that wouldn't be much of an issue. Right. Uh, but it's interesting because my daughter has like embraced her culture and the Asian culture so much. Like she, like if you ask her what her favorite movie is, she'll, she'll say crazy rich Asians. (laughs) And, and she, her, her 
like two of her favorite shows besides the Simpsons are uh, <laughs> we, we bear bears, which is actually produced by a Korean American. Um, it's an animated show. And uh-huh. then um, Kim's convenience, which I love that yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. That is a great show in based out of Canada, but it's about a Korean family with a convenience store. I love that show. It's a great show. It is. It is. It's, it's, I wish I had had a show like that, that I could have watched growing up, you know? No, absolutely. You're, you, you actually kind of hit the nail. I mean, as, as we're, you know, our society's changing. And like you mentioned with our vice president, you know, these kids, I I don't want to use the term lucky, but they are, they have the ability to see a lot more, um, Mm -hmm. to see people like themselves on TV or to see people like themselves in, 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 leadership roles where we didn't have like honestly i only had junior seau i was like okay he's my he's my idol that's it you know what i mean yeah totally that's interesting so i mean as far as like for you you know we all have to deal with if you're married (laughs) the the infamous (laughs) uh mother-in-laws and you know for i'm just curious you know is your mother-in-law like one of those like she's from korea very much a Korean mother-in-law type stereotype. <laughs> well, she is from Korea. However, I I don't think she's necessarily would fit the stereotype. She is so loving and and so gracious. Uh, she it, it was interesting though because she did want Alex, my my husband, to marry a, a Korean woman. Okay. So he, so she was actually thrilled. Uh, my, uh, my sister-in-law married a, a man who's Mexican mm-hmm. and she, she's been won over, but at the time she wasn't that happy about that. So the fact that, uh, my husband married me, a Korean American woman, she was absolutely thrilled. Right. And she has always been, just so amazing and and loving to me that being said with my mom it was interesting because before my mom met my husband like I I and his family actually originally was from North Korea prior to it becoming communist and and they escaped prior to to the Korean War Mm -hmm. so I I mentioned oh yeah his, Alex's dad was from Mexico and um, he, their families were North Korea and my mom really was not thrilled about that wow and, and was quite confused even though my my mother herself married uh, someone from a different race but right someone white which right unfortunately seems like that that was a factor uh at the time but now um there there's no issue there but yeah it it's it's interesting these these dynamics that that we had to deal with when we when we first got engaged and and married now that is definitely interesting i mean i i was i guess lucky in the sense that uh, Filipinos and Mexicans, uh, a lot of the culture is very similar. You know, there's uh, stereotypically mm-hmm. the, the the it's very machismo. You know, mm. the, the very 
conservative uh, where um, the Catholic there's a lot, influence as well. The Catholic right? influence is a huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I got, well, when I told my parents that I was um, dating, you know, a, a Mexican woman, they were, their honest to God real answer or their, their response to that was, well, it's about time you, you have a girlfriend <laughs> because he's, you know, cause I did the whole like career and like was trying to, you know, do that whole thing. And I got married super late in life. Like I didn't get married until I was like 35. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were just like, oh my God, so is, he, is he ever going to get married? So luckily enough for me, it was, you know, my parents were stoked and, and I know my wife, my mother-in-law is amazing and she, she gets it. She, she's been around Filipinos and she knows the culture. She knows how much we're big into family and she, their family, you know, we are all big into family. So it was actually a nice transition for me. I'm the only one on my, my side of the family that married outside of the Filipino cult, you know, race. Um, and so, and nobody even didn't think any, like no one went, Oh, you only need to marry a Filipino girl. That never happened. Um, and then same for my wife. She's the only one, uh, well, not the only one, the first one to marry a Filipino man or outside of the Mexican race and same, Mm -hmm. her family was like, okay, cool. Awesome. High five to you. Like, so we got very lucky. So it wasn't too much of an issue for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because i mean even even within a race so if you if you refer to asians as a race uh like my mom would be okay like my mom would have been okay if i married someone japanese american right and obviously korean american but uh she she might have had more of a concern if it if it was someone filipino american or vietnamese american which is really unfortunate and hopefully is changing but yeah and so we're not even talking necessarily about different races but yeah the this is something that hopefully is really shifting now but honestly not even that long ago was kind of a big deal Oh yeah. Not even a long ago. Like you, you mentioned your age, I'm 46. I'll be 47 mm-hmm. this year. So no, it, it, it just real recently, you know, happened for me and yeah, it's, I think it's changing. I think as the world's getting, you know, getting different, it's, it's starting to change a little bit more, but, uh, I wanted to bring up your book beyond blending in. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what was the inspiration behind writing it? Like why, why write this book? What is it about? Like what's going on? Yeah, so it's really about my journey trying to conform to what I thought other people wanted me to to be and and to do and being being the good uh eventually when I was in Hawaii being the good Asian girl. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I took on. And not really thinking about what I wanted for my own life and what would make me happy. And, and so I just kind of followed along what I thought I was supposed to do and what mm-hmm. what my family and what my culture told me to do until I was in my early 30s. And that's when I had my started having children. Mm-hmm. And that's when I thought, 
gosh, I am just not happy. Like I, <laughs> I am not happy with my life. I, I mean, I have money and I, right. I have a great husband and now I have these beautiful kids, but I, I'm, I don't want to live my life like this for, for the rest of my life, just doing what, what I think other people want me to do. Mm-hmm. And right. so that's when I really started to explore for myself, like, what, what do I want? Mm-hmm. And, and I really wanted to make it obviously become an author and, and impact people with my book. I wanted to, I actually wanted to become Oprah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but, and I thought, gosh, there's no, I don't know of any, Asian American women who are doing anything like Oprah. No, I can't and, even think. Yeah, at the top of my head, I was like, "Wait, who? No, no, can't think of anyone." You know, like we we've been told, we'd been told, okay, become a lawyer, become a doctor, become uh-huh. an engineer. Right, it's not medical like, field. Yeah, it's not like our our parents told told us, yeah, become become a singer, become an actress, become an artist, become a public speaker, become a media mogul or become like Oprah. No, no one ever thought that was even possible. Right. And, and so, yeah, that, that was really why I, I chose to, to get into what I do because I wanted other, uh, other Asian American women and other women of color to be able to, to go, Oh, if Wendy's doing this, then, then I can do what I want to do. No, that's great. I love that. I I definitely am going to grab a copy of your book and show it to my daughters because I've always taught them, you know, with my family, the creative side was never um, encouraged. Right. Right. At a younger, well, no, I take that back. It was encouraged when you were younger. You always had to perform in front mm-hmm. of everybody in some sort of musical instrument or some sort of, you know, song or sing or something. But then as you got older, well, now you can't do the creative stuff. You have to get something that's, you know, medical field, something that's, uh, you know, productive that, and, productive. and making and exactly. that has status. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I love that, that, you know, that you have that book out there. Um, for these people, for young kids, you know, especially trying to figure themselves out. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So, um, but I mean, gosh, uh, there is so much more I can talk to you, Wendy, about, you know, this, but you know, the cool part about, about the show is we're going to have you back as a co-host and Yay. we'll get to know you more and we're going to get to know, you know, both, you know, your side and, and your perspective on things. So, but for those that would like to contact you in regards to your book or, you know, find you um, either social media or websites, where can people find you? Yeah. So my website is beyondblendingin.com and you can find my Beyond Blending In book on Amazon. And also my IG is also Beyond Blending In as well. There you go. Get her book, you guys. Let's support you know, let's support Wendy, go get her book. And then that way you can, you know, instead of, if you don't want to teach your kids about being biracial, you just hand the book over. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Here's how you blend it, you know, beyond blending in. But yeah, um, yeah. And, and also, like I said, Wendy will be back um, on other shows with us. And so you'll hear from Wendy again. Also, if you have any suggestions or future topics, 
Um, we definitely want to hear from you and you can find uh, our link at asianvoicesradio.com. You'll also find a link to Wendy Kim there. Um, also make sure you subscribe. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But Wendy, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate the conversation today. Yeah, it was wonderful. Thank you, Hula. Absolutely. Until next week, I'm Hula Ramos. And on behalf of my guest, Wendy Kim, we'd like to thank you for listening. And please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices radio show. Until next time, we'll see you later.